listening to the EdReach Network. This EdReach podcast is supported by EdReach's own Edceptional Show. Hosted by Patrick Black, Deb Trusky, and Trish Lazaro, the Edceptional Show highlights access to learning for exceptional students of all abilities, often showcasing the most innovative apps, assistive technologies, web tools for teachers. This show makes learning and resources for teachers its mainstay. Start your week by going to edreach.us/edceptional to subscribe. That's edreach.us/edceptional. Now, enjoy your show. This week on EdGamer 130, Jerry and Zach are interviewed by the Gamefied gang of Verena Roberts and Colin Osterhout. Sorry, Colin, if I mispronounce that. Our new foes, friends of EdGamer, are creating amazing resources through their website. Vicki Davis couldn't join us, but Lee Graham, who was fighting a cold and didn't want to be on the air, jumped into the conversation during the topic of Common Core. It seems that Lee has some problems with the Common Core initiative. We had a great discussion, and that makes this another must-see episode of EdGamer slash Gamified. Tune in and level up. Welcome to Gamified Ook for February 26, 2014. My name is Verena Roberts, and with Colin Osterhout. Is that right, Colin? That's good enough. Good enough. We are the Game Maker hosts for today. This is our second webinar of the day dedicated to exploring games-based learning, and we're glad you chose to join us. Feel free to contribute to the conversation by visiting the Gamified Ed Google Plus community or posting in the Gamified Ed Twitter feed. Remember, there's a dash between Gamify and Ed. So that's G-A-M-I-F-I dash E-D. Please put your comments and thoughts on this event page and also use the hashtag Gamified Ed on Twitter and Google Plus. Tonight, we are going to spend some time with our amazing experts, and their names are... Uh, I'm Zach Gilbert. <laughs> and I'm Jerry James. Jerry James and Zach Gilbert, and otherwise known as Ed Gamer. And I missed the first time we were together. This is horrible. So I'm so glad that you're here today. Yes. Thank you. Well, no, no. Thank you. So no, we're, we're not going to go down that. Go ahead, Colin. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say we have the moderator feature up, and we've already got one question in, so I wanted to remind I people saw that, that they, can, they can submit questions through the moderator feature. Oh, because really I was going to say, I don't know how it's possible with zero viewers, but <laughs> that's a freak of nature. <laughs> <laughs> it's Google. Anything can happen. <laughs> yeah. Go Yay. ahead, Colin. Colin's in charge of the Q&A, so go ahead, Colin. Well, I, the, this is I, very important. I've wanted to ask this before, but I've been too embarrassed. So someone, oh. <laughs> Lee's asking, what's Jerry's favorite guitar and why? Okay. Um, all right, I think I got to go. Boy, this is a tough one. It's a tie. If you can see behind my head right now, that's a double cutaway Les Paul, which was one of my very first electrics and one of my favorites. But the one next to it is a Fender Telecaster. It's a 1993 USA model that I bought off of a man that was heavily intoxicated for $300. <laughs> Sweet value on my end. How much is that worth now, Jerry? Well, it's into uh, it, it's worth. A lot more. More, Money. more than $300, yeah. What's your address, Jerry? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 123 <laughs> Sesame Street, 
So that's a great question, though. We could ask about my guitars all night. I could I could do a whole separate podcast on those. And we could. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, where did I? You know, where did I get my frumpy couch, Jerry? Uh, probably in Pittsburgh. Probably in Pittsburgh. Okay. Sorry. Moving on. <laughs> moving along. Actually, our first question is: How did you two meet? And well, it makes sense with the frumpy couch and the guitars. <laughs> I was walking along the beach. And wow. this big no. <laughs> what? No, wait. Tell the rest of that story. <laughs> I, I, you know I could. You know I could. Uh, we, uh, it was Match.com. It was. It was. Oh, no, hold on. You sang Farmers last only. Time. Farmers, Farmers only. only. <laughs> you know, you got to sing the song. Farmers. <laughs> wait. You don't have to be lonely at FarmersOnly.com. It's like a bad farm and fleet. Oh my gosh! So no, we we got we got matched up from um. Yes. A, Lee's my favorite person. Sorry, I'm watching the questions now. <laughs> I can't wait for her to comment on the the farmers only. So, um, no, we 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 started out with uh, EdReach at at its inception when it started over three years ago. And it was one of those things that uh, they knew that they wanted me to put together a game, a gaming podcast, ed ed educational gaming podcast. And then Dan Rezac said, hey, I think I have somebody for you. And his name's Jerry. And he's a good guy. And so we started. That's, that's how it all got together. That's it. Cool. <laughs> Nothing else there, Jerry? That's it. That's it. I was trying to lead and, you in. You could uh, add more. And nope. No, and then we we had our first discussion was about uh like, I think it was like a test the waters kind of, um, how's this gonna go? And it was three questions that, uh, or three games that we love to play something like yeah. that, or three of our top five games or something. And we realized very quickly that evening that Zach loves to talk and I don't talk much, so it was a perfect combination. Yeah, <laughs> it's like play by play in color. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I don't know if I'm doing much play-by-play, -play, but yes, that's that's something like that. But it's uh, you know what, uh, Dan was perfect. Uh, I don't know what it was, but we are a good match together, and and I've gained a very good friend. Uh, wow. And, uh, I wish I had. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Thanks, Jerry. Okay. My dogs like him. I mean, your dogs are awesome. Yeah. They treat me nicer than you do, but that's, that's no, no, no. I'm I'm the lucky one. I mean, Zach Aww. does a lot of work for the show, so. We right. will. Now okay. that we got that moment over with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Jerry produces, two. and he puts all that stuff together, and Colin understands that because doing the stuff behind the scenes, especially in Google Plus, is, is, uh, or Google Hangouts is quite, can be quite difficult. We started off with Skype, yeah. and that was kind of interesting. So it was yeah. audio only, which was we, probably better for our audience. Yeah, we had a lot bigger audience then. You know, yeah, they, they didn't really know. Over. Yeah. yeah, they didn't know, and then they saw us, and it's like, whoa, okay, like, Ooh, numbers went good. down, we saw the yep. chart, I mean, dancing with the chart, and it just it goes a lot like, goes yeah. Down. yeah, it's not a bell, it's, okay, so, okay, question number two, well, as, as part of the show, how many how many hours do you think you guys put into this, this, this show each week, now that you've, like, been doing it for a long time, at least uh, 25 minutes, <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, mine mine is probably uh, it's more. I probably do at least an hour of research and gathering stuff, and then we do the show, which is another hour, and then it yeah. takes another two hours for me to edit and put all the stuff together and put it online. So yeah. for me, it's about four hours. Jerry's definitely got the easier. If, if, 
if you asked my wonderful wife, it would be something like you know thirty six to forty eight hours a week because <laughs> it seems like uh, you you know it, it, you're always kind of looking for stuff, and then on top of that, yeah, the the editing and we get on a half an hour early and we get off a half an hour late, and you know it is what it is, but it's we, it's good fun. And we talk about other things too, so you know we have lives outside of educational gaming. You know, it's I not all about us. the hotel rooms, late night, you know, going on tour <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, it's not all about that. You know, the rock stars that we are with our, you know. It's not all about the driver conflicts and the rails. Uh, <laughs> yeah, some, <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. So, so is it about the love of gaming? Because have you seen, like, have you, do you still call it a trend? Do you think it's happening? Have you seen a change? Honestly, because I, I'm this. The reason I'm in gamified is because I, I don't know a lot about game-based learning. I only know what the basics are. So, have you seen a difference? Do you think there's a change happening, or is it just a trend? What's going on, in your opinion? Go ahead, Jerry, because you know I want to speak. Uh, hey, uh, let, let me get in my three words first. Yeah, get in your three Zach words. and have a good half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> um, I. Uh, I I have always been sort of mesmerized by games. Um, I grew up an only child, so um, like Sega and Nintendo were my best friends. So this is the interesting part of us together because I was always a console. <laughs> That's until I found the guitar. I was always a console kind of guy, and he was um, more PC based. Um, yes. Although one of the very first games that I distinctly remember being heavily involved in um, that I that I can think of as the most modern type game that that really sucked me in was missed um, for the Mac. I, I just remember the concept of exploring the entire right. island and what? Mist? Oh, absolutely. Dude, it's ranked as like the number three game of all time. It's not a game. You just walk around. No, it is totally a game. You played okay. it wrong. Oh. So, <laughs> oh, that's uh, the problem. No, I should have got that Mist. I should have got Mist awesome. for dummies. Mist was awesome in the... Uh, <laughs> The or just missed for Zach, which is for, same difference. Um, yeah. with, but the graphics were on. They were beautiful at that time. Um, so I was very drawn into that game, that and like Leisure Suit Larry. Because I wasn't <laughs> supposed to be playing that, you know, <laughs> at, at that age on like a Mac computer. Those were the two games you could play: like Leisure Suit Larry or Missed. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. That's all you had. <laughs> wow. But um, Leisure Suit Larry. <laughs> that is awesome, Jerry. No, I mean I, I loved all of them, like the Oregon Trail. I distinctly remember one game that I have I have no idea what it was called, but like you you just got to drive around in a car, and like you, you had missions you were supposed to be completing. But I I remember I could tell you the room in my old house that I was sitting in where I was like able to just drive this car and like turn left when I wanted to turn left. And it was like the worst little simulator ever, but. It it just GTA. mesmerized you know, no this is <laughs> this is long before that okay. it mesmerized me and uh, and I think the the interesting thing the the reason so to come full cycle the reason that um, games have always been important in education to me is I just always saw them as a great source of motivation they were they were like that you you just always wanted to be involved it's the it's something that people flock to naturally not all people but but such a large group of people flock to naturally that there has to be some kind of redeeming factor in that <laughs> sex already laughing <laughs> I'm just seeing the comment from Lee. Lee's comments are swaying us all. Is she like? I'm gonna minimize Lee. <laughs> Lee, really? <laughs> you do so not want to play. I am a, I am ADHD, Lee. So you know, it's kind of like you know, 
A squirrel. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can't just flash things on the screen with Zach. Otherwise, he's he's long gone. But um, you know, that's that's my that's my thing with games and learning is is I think they're such a an absolutely um, powerful tool that people just naturally flock to them. That how could we not use them in education? Okay, I'm going to throw you on your head. It's not about the games. Okay. Who, who are you throwing on their head? I don't know. I don't know. All of you. I'm flipping <laughs> yeah. upside down. No. It's about it's about learning. I mean, it's it's all about. I mean, one of our early shows, <laughs> and James Paul G is on there, and he he's like, well, your your name of your show's not right, or <laughs> something. He said it more <laughs> eloquently, of course. Uh, and he goes, it's not educational gaming. It's not Ed Gamer. It should be games and learning. Like, okay, yeah, we're just starting the show out, and, and he's already making us think that we named our show wrong. So, um, but it's, it is it is about the learning. It's And we've always said that games are one tool. I've got kids every year that games will not reach them. It's a small number, but it's still, I mean, I, most kids play games in some way, shape, or form. You know, even right now I'm doing, uh, I'm teaching Ancient Greece, and I'm not using a video game, but we're competing against each other. They're creating a map. They're competing against each other. They're creating banners and you know other other little things, and I'm keeping track of those points or coins. We're using you know I'm giving them drachmas, and so it, that's a competition. So it's it's not just video games. It's you know you can have some competitions here and there, but it's all about the learning and it's finding the tools that are best for your students. And a, a, right now, games are a great way to do that. But I've also found that games for some kids are not the best ways. Uh, just because the games that I like doesn't mean, you know, Civilization, which I've used, um, just because I like that game doesn't mean that all my students will like it. I want them to try it, but if they don't like it, then I have to figure out something else. Uh, it's about that individualization of, of learning, uh, but games can offer so much, and that's what makes it, uh, that's, I guess that what's, that's what makes it powerful. Have you been able to do use games to bring in uh, different elements from different classes or a co-teach with other teachers? What do you mean by... Uh, oh, I mean, like for example, Jerry's a visual arts, visual right. arts teacher, right? So does, does, can he have uh, his students you know, design you know, some of the, the landscapes and some of the features for, for games that uh, a social studies class might be using? What... Um, I always love throwing Jerry under the bus because I, I try to come up with a question that, you know, what, what makes it difficult in your school to do that, Jerry? Yeah, I mean, I think you would like to do that, right? You're on mute, buddy. <laughs> Am I on my mute now? No. That wasn't very kind. What if I just... That wasn't very kind. <laughs> it's, it's a love-hate relationship. No, it's always love. Oh, right, it's a love-love. It's a love-love relationship. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jerry. Um, I blocked myself out because I was using words not safe for for podcast. Okay. Um, what was the question? Oh my goodness. <laughs> what, 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 makes so long. what makes it difficult in your school to to integrate to be able to uh, work with the, other? Yeah, the problem is that uh, you're, you're working with such different electives. You know, I would love to absolutely love to do something like that, but uh, code is shoved in our math department, and um, we we take the visual side and business teaches you how to sell the game, and everybody grabbed a little piece of games and took it in their own direction. And unfortunately, uh, combining classes doesn't work with uh, personnel hours and things like that. So when, it, when, it, when ironically you should have two people teaching the same thing, um, unfortunately, 
you know, money and time-wise, they won't ever pay for two teachers to be in the no. in the same class. But even, even but even cooperating and and saying that okay, you're going to go to, you know, Mr. James' class this hour. You're going to work on this. Right. No. Instead, we would fight for that. We would fight for that student or fight for that to be in our our curriculum as opposed to giving it to another. Right. You know, it, it, there's a fight over digital photo right now. Applied tech wants it and business wants to use it and, you know, the arts department wants it and it's like, this is, it, it's sad but that's what that's what happens because those and are it, jobs. And in middle school, it should be easier to do that. You know, because we were on teams and I don't know how your schools are set up uh, in Canada or where <laughs> you're at. Well, I don't know if it, I mean, do they have middle, is it, are there middle school teams? Do you, want me, do you want me to tell you how incredible it is in Canada? Because to be totally honest, in Alberta, they're restructuring the whole curriculum so that there's no subjects. It's going to be interdisciplinary. You come in, and they're actually right now debating marks and grades. Get rid of them. <laughs> yeah, and they're they're focused on competency-based learning, and everyone should just move to Canada. There That's you go. It. I've thought about it. There if, you go. If my webcam goes out, it's because I moved. Okay. <laughs> what are you talking about? To um, Canada. That's okay, it. I'm going. Okay. This is the last straw. Uh, but then Netflix is not the same up there, Jerry. I yeah, that's not. true. The Netflix is not. Oh, yeah, we've that's been on it. But yeah, if you I go on YouTube, if you go on YouTube, you can learn how to fix that. But, okay, okay. so I, I have a question no, about this. Is but it, but oh, the middle school, one. sorry, sorry, I'm yeah. sorry. The middle school, we run into the problems that we are supposed to be teaching this at this, this uh, particular yeah. time. We still this standard. But But if you have... But if you have interdisciplinary, you can teach as long as you're, as long as you're. I, I hate to use covering. I don't like using that word, covering content. But it's it, as long as you are um, helping the students understand those concepts, and it doesn't matter when you do that, uh, and it can be in a different class. I mean, I, I can teach, especially social studies. I can teach just about anything. I could teach language arts. I could teach, teach math and science, and I do. And I work with my other teachers to try to integrate those. But not all teams can do that. Not all teams are as flexible as mine. And not all states, there's a lot of states that it is regimented by, you need to be here at this particular time. And that's what makes it difficult to do. So hearing something about what you're doing up there, about just blowing that all out of the water, sounds like super exciting. It makes sense. I keep on getting these students will ask me, you know, how do we do games? How do we make games? And it's not like you just sit down at your computer and all of a sudden you you bang it out. I mean, there's so many aspects to it. Oh. It's, just, it's just ripe for big project-based stuff. Okay. I mean, everything from storyboarding to the, you know, the, all the artwork to the audio to the, the actual gameplay itself. It just, it's a huge thing. So, yeah. I, I wanted to ask you. So I'm, I'm asking all the neophyte questions. So I'm ignoring some of them on the sheet. And I, and I apologize for cutting you off earlier. No, and cutting didn't. you off just right now. <laughs> okay. Jared's shaking his head. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't notice it before, and now you're... It's all good. So, is it games-based learning, gamification, what word do you use? Because, honestly, as a teacher, I'm just like, just bring on the games, and for me, it's games design, thinking about things as a teacher to encourage games within the classroom. Are there words? Should I be using words? I think the most accurate one, which we don't, we're guilty of not even using all the time, but I think the James G one is pretty right. I, th I think it's gaming and learning because you talk about ga gaming and education. There's a sometimes a mix up of 
game education, you know, whether you're teaching to make games or teaching to do games. And a lot of what our podcast is is gaming and learning, you know, or how gaming fits in the educational system. The problem is when you try to make it a two-word title, it can it can give the wrong connotation sometimes. So I, I think technically gaming and learning is probably the most accurate, but I know a lot of business ventures have adopted gamification as like mm-hmm. a, a field, yeah. you know, <laughs> just uh, Zach can tell you how much you like yeah, that. I, I don't, I, I'm not, I don't particularly care for it, but I, you know what, it's, it's a word. I really, it doesn't matter. Uh, but the games and learning is, I think is the, the one that, that fits. And if you listen to our show, sometimes it's like, we always, we always like get halfway through Ooh. the show and we're like, Hey, we might want to talk about some games, Jerry. Uh, because it's because we keep on talking about learning, and it's yeah. it's the environment that we have for in education today in our classrooms in our districts. It's that is constantly changing, and it's changing so dramatically. And it's so that's giving you the foundation to where games can kind of just fit right in. Uh, yeah, I think the other problem with something like gamification is it's it literally in itself a term. So when when you use it. It's all. It's almost like it becomes a fad. Like it's something that is going in style and out. When really, gaming and learning is nothing new. It's nothing. You know, we talk about it because we work. We we podcast for a technology-based website. So a lot of it happens to be video games and things like that. But Zach is probably the most. You know. The, the biggest supporter I know of board games. So, I mean, it goes way back to learning through dice games, through board games, things that were, you know, th- it's not a new movement. It's just understanding how the two go together. So today, or the other, well, one of the, I haven't done it yet, but tomorrow I think I'll be doing it. I have a smart board, and I have this, uh, we have fake cards. You know, Athena is upset with you, and she's taking, you know, so much money away from your, from your city-state, and it's just this using what the heck was I going to say Jerry um, so it was Athena, Athena yeah I don't know but it was it, the whole thing with board games it doesn't matter what you know it, it, games can be so many different things it could be a roll of the dice having the kids I get those big rubber you know kind of foam dice and we get them out there and roll and you know which city state's going to go first today and they get out there and roll and they're totally into it or you know the idea of a fate card where you know i can pull it out and oh this is our fate today is it good or bad or it, it's it can be totally things like that or it can be a board game or it can be a video game it it can be so many different aspects gaming covers so much and learning covers it so the games and learning is is just they're not going away, and I think that's Jerry. That's what you're saying. It's it, gamification fad can go away. Games and learning will always be there. Yeah, not only that it's not going away, but that it was around long before. Oh, it's been around. Long. You know what I mean? Well, like e- even the start of our show, people are like, "Oh, you're picking up on this new fad." Like it, it's been around for so long. You know, creating said, a game. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's oh, <laughs> playing poker in my math classroom yeah. for money. And no, not that it, never happened. No, but there was a reason that they, what was it like the MIT card counters? You know what I mean? Like it, there's, but we did use <laughs> cards. We did use cards for, uh, you know, um, uh, was it probability? Yeah. You know, That's trying to figure, did. trying to figure that out. And so, you know, that was something that I did in high school many, many, many years ago. Um, but it, it can be anything. 
So, so we, we have to do a quick shout out to Gail here. And Gail is very special because she her son came on on the Drakkert show and he's a Minecraft YouTuber. And cool. Gail wrote a blog post as, and she can fill in our questions as we go on here, but she wrote a post saying, um, teachers and parents and everyone needs to listen up and get with the program and start looking at Minecraft and think about games in education for learning, just like you're saying. And, and you guys, oh, go ahead, sorry. No, yeah, you guys, I'm sure you've talked about Minecraft and just, you know, any anybody, especially Jerry, I don't know if you had somebody coming into your, we had a lot of people that jump into our uh, Minecraft contest that we just had at the Students Involved in Technology Conference this past weekend. People would come in and out just to see what these kids are doing. And as soon as I explained that this is a, like an open world Legos, virtual Legos, and you can build just about anything you want. You can make modifications. You can program. You can do all these different things. And they are just totally into it. I had this father that came in and sat next to his son. And he'd never played it before, never saw it. And they were building an ad at, you know, one of those uh, eight, you know, the big walkers, you know, in Empire Strikes Back, Star Wars. I'm sorry, making my, my geekness here. But uh, the dad was getting into it just as much as the son and they worked together and he's like that is some that is the most fun I've had with my son in a very long time and you know because they collaborated together to build that and it's a lot of parents our age know Legos and it's such a powerful tool tool so Gail you know is right in saying that get on board with this but it's scary to teachers it's very scary just trying out new technologies is is very difficult. So how do you get that to the teachers? How do you train them? Um, how do you help them out? And I, I, I really think students are the way to go because the students know a ton about this stuff. There's constantly, students are teaching me all the time, hey, you can do this, you can do this. Um, but you have to be open to it and you have to have the time to do it too. It dovetails into Lee's question about why might we be, why might we have a problem with having fun in the classroom? That's a great question. Uh, hey, testing. I, what? It's on this time. What? That was oh, a bad word. I, I thought you were yelling at me because uh, <laughs> no. it was off again. No, te testing. <laughs> testing. Oh, testing. Oh, testing. I got gotcha. you. Gotcha. Hey, yeah, we were a little slow on that one, Jerry. Yeah. <sighs> testing. I was way behind. Um, yeah, maybe. I, I think I think that's a problem with education just in general. Just the, the, if you're having fun, it's not <laughs> the, the learning's not taking place. I think we're we're we have serious issues with that. I think we have issues with uh, sources of knowledge. Like you can only learn from a teacher, and you can only learn by what this teacher passes you. You know, um, somebody once said like. <clears throat> I was in an or a heated conversation with someone. Argument. There were yeah, yeah, and they're like, "Well, he's he's too much of a friend to the kids." Talking about another teacher, and I was like, "Well, can't you learn from your friends? Like, I, don't you? I learn more from my friends." And, and of course, there are borderlines of appropriateness, and this wasn't you know part of that conversation. But even that concept of like. You're, you can't even be friends with those kids because you're supposed to give them information and you're supposed to do this and support, you know we're, we're so stuck in archaic thought with with that in general that I think that's where we get stuck up with like you can't play games in the classroom you can't you can't use your phone in the classroom oh you what, can't have fun what's the definition of friends for them is it because they're having fun in the classroom 
No, I, is, it, I, is it you know or like buddy buddy? I what I don't under because I, I have they were criticizing the relationship a a teacher had with a student, saying it wasn't formal enough, you know, and oh. they're saying, well, you can't be a friend to your students. That was the conversation. You can't be a friend to your students. I was like, well, you learn so much from your friends. Yeah, Why could you not be a friend? You know, it's so the breakdown of the Confucian sort of ideal, the hierarchy thing. Oh, definitely still yeah. a. Uh, it a lot in in our schools a, a top down knowledge sort of I have this this information and I'm giving stage, it to you stage and, on the stage and yeah and and you better take it and do what I tell you to do with it you know it sound that sounds ridiculous and that sounds harsh but that really is what we're saying we're we're saying here's this knowledge and you better take it and you better remember all of it and then you better do exactly this on the test with it you know or else you're not going to be successful. And, and yeah, because we wouldn't want them to learn on their own and 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 discover on their own and create on their own because we we don't want to build independent thinkers, right, Jerry? It's the most difficult thing for them to do in the arts. I frequently, you know, I'll bring up what I consider a really great project idea, and and it's hard for me to just get an idea in class and be like, listen, we're gonna do this. You're gonna you're gonna make a you know, make this and do whatever you want with it. You know, here, here's an open assignment to use your own creativity. And the first questions are like, well, what do I have to do to get an A? Or, well, do I have to do this? Do I have to do that? And it's like, they frust, those questions frustrate me so much, but we have created this type of learner. Yeah. We have created this type of learner that understands that they're, that, all answers, all important answers, are one of four bubbles that I need to answer within a timed basis, which which is the opposite of life. You know, yeah. so that's what standardized testing does to people. And they get frustrated. And and you know, I had um, they were supposed to create a map of Greece. They're like, well, what what do we need to have on there? I go, I don't know. You need to figure that out. What are the important parts of Greece? What are the important geographic features and and so on and so forth? You create it, and when you, you know. I want to get to the point of time where they, when I say something like that, they're excited because they're going out and discovering instead of them, like what you were talking about, Jerry, freaking out because what is it going to take for me to get an A? What, how many different parts do I need on here? How many different, you know, it gets very frustrating. Um, we want to create independent thinkers. We want to create independent uh, workers. And not workers, but you know what I'm saying. It's We want them to be able to do this on their own because that's what we do with our students. That's what we do with my children. I want to train them so they can go out on their own and be successful and be happy with what they do. So yeah, and you, Gail has that? sorry, Gail has an awesome point there. Yeah, um, we want to sorry, it, you can, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's a, sorry, Gail, she's just like Gail's all over the place. We have to learn jumping, yeah. Go, She's got some great ones, but the one right there is one of my favorites um, where it says teachers are also intimidated because the kids know so much more than they do. And uh, this used to be, this used to be like when I was, when I started teaching, it was that concept. It was like stay one day ahead of the kids and you'll be fine. And that's completely gone. And, and it's such a great thing. But uh, so many, so many teachers are stuck, especially people that got into I'm finding this. People that got into like the early days of technology, like the late 90s, that really started teaching that and then are, are near the end of their career now, they they learned by latching on to programs when programs stuck around a lot longer and you could learn a program and, and love it. You know what I mean? Like 
Like that darn Photoshop, I do love it, you know, and it's it's the most important. Well, you can go online and find 15 programs that have layer editing capabilities of Photoshop. I mean, I, I love Photoshop, and I know everything there is to know about Photoshop, but teaching kids Photoshop isn't as good as teaching kids the concept of layering and mask modes and yeah. skills. Yeah. And uh, teachers, there are a lot of teachers that are intimidated by that. They can't handle the fact that, like, I, I need to be teaching them this program and I need to learn the program and then when kids come up and are like know so much more it freaks them out it's that's I think that's one of the biggest things holding teachers back from being innovative is they worry that kids are going to surpass their knowledge and and sadly whether they want to admit it or not it's already happened yeah have you read this book? I know you guys aren't huge on books, but this one by Dana Boyd and Mizuko Ito, The Hanging Out, Messing Around, and Geeking Out. I haven't. No. Okay. The reason I bring this up, I want to ask your opinion on it. So basically, they suggest these kids are out doing their own thing in informal learning environments. So they're doing their gaming, they're in online communities, whatever, learning with people of all different ages all different abilities, and within those, they create their own networks or guilds or whatever we want to call of guilds people who are yeah, interested in their same things, and they meet friends, and they're passionate, and there's nothing weird, as we said before, weird or uncomfortable. Their friends are friends, right? They're their friends. <laughs> and then they go to school. <laughs> so this is the world that they're living outside of school, and then they come into school, and, and I just want you to maybe to speak a bit about that and how games can... Um, help, I don't know, or not help, or are games more realistic than what we're doing in school? Jerry? What was the name of that one more time? Sorry, it's cool, man. It's easy. Hanging out, out, messing around, around and geeking out. Uh, I'm actually taking a course next semester um, that's going to be all about online learning and things like that, so I'm excited. I actually want to read that. It sounds Sounds oh, I'm good. teaching a course on that right now, and actually Gail's one of my students, so give me a shout. If Very you cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Go on. So what do you think no. about that, though? Is uh, gaming, James pa yeah. Another James Paul G thing. James said Paul that, G. Yep. I, I don't know if we've I'm, – I'm sure I've mentioned this before yeah. somewhere. <laughs> but uh, it's – so a, a kid is taking – six weeks in doing a math unit on fractions, let's say. So he goes all the way through, takes a test on fractions at the end of the six weeks. And if you play a game, let's say you play Halo on hardcore, you, you know, the highest level you can play, and you get all the way through, are you going to give an assessment on that game? You're not going to give an assessment. The, the, it, you're being assessed all the way through, and when you reach the end, You've shown that you're competent. You've passed the test. The test is the whole doing everything along the way. I think we get stuck in this that in education, this old model of, you know, oh, we have some quizzes, we kind of move along, and then, oh, we have a final test. Well, the model for education really needs to move towards where we're constantly assessing along the way. And when, when we finish the unit, you're done. You've shown that you understand the, the content. It's even more than that because what you talk yeah. about, like the boss level and the level at the end, that that's like that's the summative assessment, you know, and, yeah. and that that's everything in schools. And, and I agree with you where you say we need we need to take more stock in all the uh, you know assessments along 
along the way, but I think we just totally leave out the experience. Like we count nothing into the right. experience of learning. Right. You know that that whole thing. That's what you look back on. Like when you look at a game and you look at the end of it, you don't think like, "Man, I am so proud of that level four boss I beat." You know, it's <laughs> like you think about the entire game. Like right. this is what I did. This is how I grew and what I accomplished. You know, you don't. You're not thinking about it that way. You're not thinking right. like, "Boy, I really grew this this game." proud of myself but you're thinking about like everything you've done like kind of like you own that game I'm, now i'm jealous of of what you're able to do jerry because as an art teacher you know you give a they work on a project and when they're done with the project they're done and you assess them there i mean do you give tests after the project's done i mean if you know what i'm saying yeah. you, you you do yeah. a uh, you create some type of pottery well in order for them to do that type of pottery they needed to be do, able to do this 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 yeah. and this and they're done you assess that project <laughs> and sadly we we do that um no you don't no you give we, a test at the end we have to it's district mandated oh, district mandated for for my job because i have to show growth numerically Data wise, more than the portfolios that Collect I collect all the pottery and give it to the people. It's like yeah. here you go. No, no, no. I do a better job. I, I do that all digitally. I have full digital portfolios right. of growth and and show how they you know I show their process. They they now own this process. The same thing I'm talking about. This collection of memories from start to finish. Yeah. Um, of which is not as important to them as how they score on a sixty no. question Scantron test. Oh God. Yeah. So do they peer at it? their uh, their projects? Yeah, it, it, last semester not only did they peer edit it, they selected the format with which they wanted to present it. So that was part of their exploration is they had to find a presentation medium with which to put this thing together. So I had some kids in, you know, a, multitudes of different ways. Like I think there was probably seven or eight per class different presentation formats. Some kids made short movies of their portfolio. Some kids made slideshows. Some kids found Prezi. You know, it, it was great. That was part of the part yeah. of the challenge, which to That's me awesome. is more of a real life skill or challenge. <clears throat> so how do you do that in math? How do you do that in science? How do you do that in social studies? How do you do that in reading? And it's it's it, project based learning I think is it can be a huge key. I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly how you do it. You cut out um, trying to race, and this is not a <laughs> ding on race to the top, but you try to cut out trying to race to the top as fast as you can, and you reevaluate the things that need to be taught to students, and you change math from math to numerical problem solving, and you let kids solve a problem with several equations of math so that they feel like they've done something, not just completed rote memorization that we, we think kids can't see through that, and kids see through it so fast. You did, know? You, did you see that indie film, was it out in, like in the Carolinas or something, where they had to build uh, like a, um, uh, a farmer's market? Hmm. Did you see that? The school is kind of failing, and they kind of they had to raise funds. They had to learn how to, you know, cut the wood and then build this like little farmers market area. They had to they had to write. They had to send out flyers. They had, you know, so every every subject that is taught in that in their school was done through this project, and it was a it was collaborative and it was tough. It was difficult. They got mad at each other. They had to learn how to build through, you know, those uh, work through those relationships. And in the end, they completed something they never thought they could ever do. And they gained skills, but they also gained and they were able to learn skills that were 
you know, and science and math and social studies and language arts and arts, you know, to design. And it was all done with that one large project. And it's something they can use right in the real world right now. Exactly. Exactly. So. Well, it's when I see my kids doing Minecraft, I go in as the teacher who's not a teacher because they're just having fun and doing whatever they want. And I'll say, I don't know, make the Titanic to my grade two son. And he goes and makes the Titanic. And then when he can't figure it out, he goes to YouTube to learn what the Titanic was or whatever, as we all know. But then I think, couldn't I come in with my magic wand (laughs) and say skills? Like literally, if I look at the outcomes and standards, it's like all over the place. I just have to go in as a teacher and just mark it off. Um, and he would get 100% or more because he did such a fantastic job and he's met all these skills. I just, that's where I, I get confused. Why can't, why can't we start to think more that way? I mean, like the, the whole learning pathway thing as you're marking off skills, as you're completing all these projects. And well, yeah, yeah you have the whole curriculum in front of you and you just literally check it off. And if it was Greece, you could say, you know, today <laughs> I need you to make Greece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, when I go in and, yeah. when I did in the past uh, with Rome, they had to actually build a Roman um, uh, a Roman village. They had the aqueduct. They had the buildings. You know, they had to make sure they had all the buildings that would be uh, appropriate for a Roman town. And there was everything was involved in that. It was there was there yeah, was so math, much there. You got everything oh, yeah. there. You got science because the aqueducts and explaining it and gravity and everything yep. else. Yep. I Definitely. think I don't know. I think you're on the right track. It's just well, you. You're and there's not other people. Science. Yeah, <laughs> there's and there's a lot of people out there that want the project-based learning. It's, but it's 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 the time. It's how do you you got to get it approved. You have to, um, mm. you know, you have to create it. It's not like you can go. I, I'm. I know there's books out there. You know, here's project. You know, project-based learning. But I don't know. It's. I think also you want it to be. For me, I want it. I want to. I could get it from somebody else, but I'm going to modify it to make it fit what I do. Um, you know, there are other two social studies teachers in my in, in my grade level, and they are totally into the crafts, and they like the kids get them dressed up. You know, they they do more hands-on type things. I'm more technology oriented, so that kind of fits me. But it's authentic to what, and I get excited about it. So if I'm excited about it, the kids are going to get excited about it. If I started doing a lot more of the crafts that the other teachers did, I wouldn't be excited about it. And guess what? My kids aren't going to be excited about it. So it's you need to do what fits you, but we need a lot of help. We need a lot of time to plan and, and put that together. Jerry, there's probably about, you know, you probably have about 10 projects in your head of what you would like to do that could expand the learning and help your students. And most of the, the I guess the biggest problem is getting support, uh, maybe funding, and then having the time to be able to plan it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Always, those are always the problems. <laughs> yeah, and the in the movie, uh, the movie's called "If You Build It," and that's the that's an indie film. I think it was up for, might even be up for like an Oscar or something. I don't know. Um, it's that good. No, it's uh, but it's it looks really good, and that's that's that that film that talks about, um, you know, it's that project based learning. 
So I see you know, Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, Gail really wants to know if you have any ideas for little guys pre-K. Oh, that's where I was gonna go. So that Excellent, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, my I saw that Gail. They got my attention because my wife is an early childhood mm -hmm. teacher. Yep. She works with students with, uh, you know, already diagnosed with autism, things like that at that age, which means it's pretty severe. Um, and uh, yeah, they they do so much um, essential play learning. Um, uh, you know, communicating, it, it teaches so much to, to their students. Um, moving it up into that pre-kindergarten and kindergarten level, I, I don't know, that's a good question. Is that maybe, is that where we start to lose gaming just a little bit? You know, is that where, is that where it starts to fade out? Because then I think it definitely fades out more in elementary school. Um, you know, I don't know, maybe it's part of, I don't know why that happens. Maybe it's because they try to transition kids to school, which is a formal setting. You know what I mean? Maybe that's where we lose that gaming aspect because now we're in school, so it's it's serious time, and we we try to teach that. Um, but I think the more the more that you can keep kids communicating at that age, I mean that's that's such a great thing to uh, to keep kids together with um, group group learning and group. Um, so many of those those critical social skills come at that age. And Sir Ken Robinson, Jerry, do you remember that divergent thinking? Where yeah, they, yeah. where they, there's that divergent uh, uh, intelligence test where they're able, to, you give a kid a, you give a kid a paperclip and you tell them, or you tell them you have a paperclip or you give them a paperclip, say, uh, write down as many things that you can come up with uh, uses for a paperclip. I don't think they give it to them. I think they just say, here, you know, think of a paper, you know, what can you do with a paperclip? And so geniuses would come up with like 200 or so. And because they start thinking about how that paperclip, could it be 200 feet tall and made out of foam rubber? You know, does it, it's thinking outside the box. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is such a huge thing. And so when they tested these kids, uh, it was like a high percentage, 90 some percent were geniuses. And then as they got older, it started, the genius level started going down. And what they all had in common is that they were educated. Yeah. And they were geniuses at the age of five years old. Yeah, I, five years I old, and they were no geniuses. Doubt. And That's so it. they lose that, and because I think we just we try to, it's that manufactured idea where you know you're trying to fit them into this mold, and we're trying to produce these kids uh, rather than have them naturally grow. And this is something the arts naturally clings to. You know, yeah. we like to say, oh, you know, it's it's the those grade school ages where you stop requiring art that we get in trouble. You know, you keep cutting art and it's cutting the creativity, but it's not even really art the more that I think about it. It's, it's just we it's those ages where you start taking education seriously. <laughs> That's what kills creativity. As soon as you start taking education as as is the serious path from from the first day of school to the test, you know, that's where you just absolutely kill all forms of creativity. Just I love sad. going to preschool. Preschool, my, my two kids are both in preschool together on, you know, a couple days a week, and it's this co-op preschool deal. And uh, I go down there pretty often, and I just love it. I wish that all education was like that, because they're always playing. They're always mm. playing. And there is some structure to it, you know, here and there, like right? they're building projects and stuff, but all that socialization that happens, all of the, you know, they just make up stuff all the time, and the, stu the stuff that comes out of their imagination is just like every, every parent can tell you the story 
but it's true. Yeah. And, then, and then it starts, you know, winnowing away as they get older and older, as they get more and more responsibility thrust upon them. It's just, you know, it's you know, it's really interesting too. You say, um, you know, you say they're gaming, and then you say there's some structure to it. I think this is one of the other giant misnomers about gaming is people say like, oh, they're just playing a game. Well, if it's a good game and they're playing it right, there is a structure. There, there is, a, there is, there are intended consequences. There are intended, you know, um, uh, struggles. Intended, you know, like the James G book talks about the frustration levels being appropriate. Like you, you, you have to make a good game gets you just frustrated enough to want to keep playing, but but also allows you to beat it, not so frustrated that you quit. You know, so I think people don't see games as a game's almost a curriculum. It's it's leading you in. It's teaching you something. It's evaluating you on. It's assessing you, um, and then and then it's allowing you to accomplish something if it's a good game, you know. And so I think that there's so much that kind of gets gets lost because it's a game. You know, it's a game. They're playing. It can't be learning. They're playing. I just love when they create their own games. Like one of my favorite ones to do is they've got all these little animals and these wooden blocks, and like now we got to create this little universe where the you know the herbivores are fighting the omnivores, <laughs> and, so, and so the kids are creating this little like structure, and then then we, at the end we have to we trash it all. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. My son um, is young enough that I can hold him back, and so he can wait a year before he goes to kindergarten. And I went and talked to his principal, and he's like, oh, my gosh, if only I could stay in kindergarten for an extra year. If only I could stay in pre-K for next year. I mean, he's wonderful, but he knows that it's kind of all over <laughs> once, once they get going. And I'm like, that's not a good thing. No. <laughs> you know? I know that it's great that he can be a kid for a little while longer, but uh, isn't it like being human as being a kid? I don't know. That's why. That's, uh, that's why here. Yeah. That's why I teach. <laughs> exactly. That I think maybe that's why we all teach because he can still be a kid. I can still what make you... silly jokes to sixth graders and they laugh. Oh, but sixth graders and seventh. I love six to eight. They're the best. I, it's six, great. Grade six. That's to why. Eight. That's why Jerry and I work well together because you... it's kind of like I'm still at school. Yeah, you people should be given awards. I don't. <clears throat> that was like the worst time of my life, and I never want to go back. What's that? I, like, I swore I would never set foot back in a middle school you, or a I, junior it was high. I, it was horrible for oh, me, and that's, that's why I'm yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, you're not there. You're teaching. You're with yeah. them. You're learning with yeah. them. It's a but I'm having no. fun with them. I get them no. to laugh. Then no, you know what? Fun. I will say that that was the when I did the sit conference this weekend because there was like the uh, the seventh through twelfth graders and and we had a rash of seventh and eighth graders that came in during that the time period that we did a special Minecraft build and it was really unique it was different for me because I don't I don't get a lot of interaction with kids that age um, and especially the little kids too it was nice it was I, I liked the elementary placement but um, so gullible. the middle school kids were were good too they're they're kind of in that weird age where there's they're awkward but funny because they're awkward, you know? So it's Hi, Mr. James. <laughs> How are you? Exactly. And they don't know if you're laughing with them or at yeah, them. Yeah. So they're not, yeah, it, they're it's normally like, both, but, you know. Yeah. Well, you don't okay. admit that. Um, wait, where did Gail's question go? Did I just kill it? It was the one. Oh, it was a good one, and I just killed it. I might oh, the common... I believe the accident by accident. It's the oh. Common Core. Tell me. Mm. I want to know. Because we don't have Common Core either. 
Oh. By the way, up Whoa. in Canada, where you all want to come down. <laughs> we don't actually have, someone asked me about standards. I'm like, no, we don't, not so much. <laughs> like, we just have a different world. <laughs> they, are, what do they call them, goals? I mean, are they, is there? We have outcomes and objectives okay, in our curriculum. Okay, okay. Absolutely. But if someone were to call them a standard, or you told anyone that they're standardizing anything, people would have a heart attack. That's, um, that's hilarious, because that's, Yeah. That word should be more negative than it is. It's not. You know, like here it's not. It's like, oh, good. You're standardizing everyone. That's better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, but it's such a terrible word when you think about I, it. Like, I think so. Maybe you know, I, maybe that's a Canadian word. thing, though. There you, there, you know, there, is, there, is it all bad? No. Mm. It's, no, it's not all bad. It's pretty all bad, yep. No. Yes, no, it is. No. No, it's not. There I are actually good say it is there. all bad. Okay, well, you're just trying to be... Difficult. So no, it's 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 now there are. I mean, at every grade level, there's something there. You ask any teacher at any grade level, and they'll they'll be able to tell you the parts that they don't like. My wife teaches first grade, and she's like, they don't want us to teach money in first grade. She goes, I've been teaching this for 16, 17 years, and money is a great way to have the kids understand numbers and so it in fractions and so on and so forth. And you're like, they don't have it on there. Um, the problem is what I'm seeing in having a fourth grader, my wife teaching first grade, I have a fourth grader, I teach sixth grade, I have an eighth grader. And it's for some things it seems to be okay for my fourth grader because she's kind of been with it for a while. But my eighth grader got thrown into the mix and she went from standards here and then all of a sudden the standards went up here. And there's this huge gap. The expectations jumped greatly for those kids that are really in middle school right now um, that's I don't know how to explain it there's there is good there is bad but standardized testing overall is is horrible um, and that's you're seeing I'm sure you see videos I mean I don't know if you know of these people that are going out and talking against it and it's um, it's it's crazy there are some there is some crazy stuff in there, and I totally agree, Jerry. It, it probably Lee's got be, my back. Yeah, it probably just <laughs> needs to be wiped. But the idea is not horrible. But here, here's my problem with Common Core is the term it's itself. You, you start with the term itself, the Common Core. The right. Common Core would mean that there is one basis of information that everyone should have. But what the Common Core is doing is assigning standards in every different area. Yeah. It's creating Common Cores throughout the whole area, which then makes it not a Common Core at all. It makes it a set of goals and standards. It's not a core. You know, I wouldn't have a problem if they said, listen, to live in this world, we all need to have this level of writing, and we should have, like, this third grade level of mathematics, because that's what we use, and we should all know enough to, you know, not drink bleach as far as science, because that'll kill you. <laughs> so, okay, yeah, cool. I'm, I'm good with that, you know, and then after you get done with our common core, then you can go explore anything you want in our wonderful schools of, say, and say you're going to be a science person, great, you take 15 hours of science in high school and learn all about it, but so this is not a common core. Do, uh, who cares about the name, though? Is, but who, but that's a huge issue with it me. Doesn't, I, I don't, we're it, in the educational field and can't even name it, it appropriately. No. But, it, and it, it's, it then it's doomed to fail. So we're, what? So have standards for art. Do you, do you use the standards for art? Uh, we have standards for art. We have okay. common learning Are they standards. good? Um... Yeah. 
Okay. Have you have you ever seen good standards or the state ones are not the district ones that we have created are 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 pretty decent, but but no, no, they're not. You know what? No, they're bad. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Because do you know how, do you know what our goal for our high school is to send kids to college? Do you know how many kids go to um, an That's art college from our art program? Right. Ten percent. Yeah. Ten yeah, percent go to art colleges. So if our yeah. if our standards and our goals and our learning standards are based on kids going to an art college, we're only meeting ten percent of kids' expectations. Right. So how, how it's, is it's, this effective at all? But I'm, my whole thing is that I, I could care. Do not I, I know you're. Bleach. What's that? <laughs> Do not leave. Do not leave. Squirrel. Right. Right. That's why we're the squirrel chaser community. Yeah. But it's it's. <laughs> To me, it's all naming. I don't. I don't like where this all came from. And Diane Ravitch. I don't know if you guys read Diane Ravitch. No, I know. No, nope. how can you miss Diane Ravitch? Even yeah. In Canada. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. So it's it's one of those things that you know the whole basis of how it was created in the first place is crazy. It's really is really crazy because it's it's kind of like big business trying to produce those manufactured goods. We want kids that are able to do this, this, and this, and we're not really creating. We're not creating thinkers. We're not creating creative thinkers or divergent thinkers. We're not creating independent thinkers. We're creating, you know, basically robots. And that I have a problem with. But my, is it bad to have standards in some way, shape, or form? But we're not only at, doing that, Zach. We're not only doing that. We're actually spitting in the face of all research that's ever been done yes. <laughs> in the field. We ignore all of the research done. I mean... 50-minute class periods don't work with that either. No. Like, you know, class period, okay, oh, you're learning? Good, too bad, and on to your next class. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, it's just the problem is when you start to base everything around those standards, standards that don't meet every kid's expectation, then they don't, they don't work. You know, you have to be really careful when you say there's a bulk of knowledge that every kid should have. You know, I okay. just, whenever you say every, it scares me. Okay, so how was I playing at Devil's Advocate? I had a tough time doing that. <laughs> Rena, I hope you don't mind. Thing. I was I was really trying to <laughs> I was really trying to spark the conversation. Jerry thought were you thinking I was being serious there, Jerry? I thought you were serious. Yeah, I, I thought, thought you, you were serious really... too. Are you not yeah. serious? Not really. Oh. You did a pretty good no. job. No. I wanted to, I wanted to spark yeah, a debate yeah. because I, I can't even hold it in. I can't even hold it. I got angry. I, I took even... off a sock, I was so angry. <laughs> I can't see it, but I, I did. Had, I had fun with that though. Um you know, do I Here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. And I, I will. I will. I will bring it. I'll bring it all back together here. Is that kids are different, and my expectations of those kids are going to be different. Oh, oh. oh, oh no! Now she's gonna jump in. She's fired up. She's got one question. I think that she really wants to get in there. Yeah, she just jumps in. She gives up. Did you Did you hear me, Lee? That I was playing devil's advocate. Why most of them have I am so sick. I am. I am so sick, sick of us. Right now. No, oh, I'm okay. <laughs> sick. But I had to. I like. I. I was not going to come in here, but I had to come in here. <laughs> okay, tell us, Lee. What's bugging you, Lee? Oh my God. <laughs> Common Core. Yeah. Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Lee, Lee, you did hear me, didn't you? 
no, no, I don't know that I did. I was jumping in here. I, I was, I was playing good, good. I was playing good. devil's advocate, Lee. Uh, and I think no, most seriously, people. How, how are you, I honestly? I'm the Canadians asking you here, ladies and gentlemen. Honestly, I'm looking at you, America. What are you thinking? Why are you implementing something where you can't bring in games-based learning, games learning, learning, games? I don't, it would, it's very difficult, very hard. All I'm hearing is standards, 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 more and more and more with that conversation with Common Core. Tell me, what should the average teacher do? What should they do? Without taking your sock off and getting angry. So we, like, think, use your brain. What can you do, America? How can you save education here? Because quite frankly, I'm looking at you going, what are you doing? Yeah. Now, I, I play the game. I mean, I play the game of trying to fit it in, and I have an administration that helps me do that. I, okay. I can, I've connected Civilization and Minecraft and, and many other games to Common Core just to fit in with to fit what in. needs so to be need done. To do some fitting um, in. Right, but the problem is, uh, let's see. Next week we're doing testing. Uh, we're going to be doing some testing. If you know, a few weeks, it, we have all this testing that we're doing, which is taking time away from what needs to really be done. And do I want to? Do I want to track? Do I want to see how my students grow? Do I want a way of doing that? Yes. The problem is, is that each kid is different, and doing that is is a very difficult. It's a very difficult task, but I want to see how they grow. So are there certain, I don't know, standards or outcomes that I want them to understand? Yes. I break it down into culture, civics, people, which is kind of getting into history and geography. And we track that for the whole year. And I want to see how they grow. I, I think they should have some basic understanding uh, of those areas. But, um, but then each kid's different. So when you talk about getting rid of grades, you know, if I get a kid that grows dramatically and he started very low level, you know, to me, that they, they've done well. If I've got a kid that's really smart and is just not putting effort into it, I'm going to mark them a little bit lower. And it's individualized. I tell the kids not to look at each other. You don't look at each other's grades because it's really not going to matter because it's based on you. I don't want to – you shouldn't compare yourself to each other. You need to grow yourself. And standards make that – I, I think standards make that difficult to do because we're always comparing. We're always comparing students. I'm in this percentile. I'm in this percentile. I don't care. Where are you at? Let me see if I can get you to increase your knowledge. Delete, does that sound okay? Well, <laughs> I mean, here's the thing I think. I think, you know, standards are great. I think they're wonderful. I love standards. I like having some place to start to create a rubric. Okay, I like that. But on the other hand, I mean, I work in higher ed. You're talking about K-12. Mm -hmm. And when I talk about K-12, I think about people like my younger sister and my younger brother who were dyslexic and creative and are no longer with us, you know, and the whole time they were in school, they were just bashed, bashed. And I think that in school we should allow our students to, to progress as they progress. I'm a sixth grade teacher. I mean, that's what I am. And so, you know, when it comes to Common Core, I think Common Core, No Child Left Behind, all of this, it's all about 
making money for ETS. Yeah. Somebody tell me if you don't think that's the truth. I mean, I think it's all about money for the testing companies, and I think it's all about standardizing so that business can create yeah. charter schools. Yeah. This is what I think, and I don't think it's anything about the kids, nothing about the kids. A lot of people making money at Pearson. Oh. No kidding. Oh. So that, that's just me, so I'm going to just pause. I just, I had to jump in here. Oh, my God. I was dying. Well, Gail jumped in, too, although she's... There's an earthquake. It looks There's, like she literally jumped in. We'll give Gail a chance to say hello. Gail, is there something... I know you were pouncing with questions. Is there something you want to finish off with? We couldn't keep up. No. <laughs> I was on, can you hear me? Yeah. I was on my husband's antiquated computer. He has no mic and no camera. So I couldn't join. So my son, who is oh, his here. Son's, your son's computer was fine. Yeah, he's Hi, on man. it. Can There's you the, the YouTuber yeah, right there. There he is. <laughs> There's my star YouTuber. So he ran up and got my Chromebook so I could say hi. Oh, but cool. um, my question about the Common Core was, I, I haven't looked at it enough because I'm in early childhood, so we use the, EL, the early learning standards. Um, so I, I have nothing to do with Common Core. So um, I'm just wondering for my own child if, um, if, if gaming... Is even if there's going to be any window in yeah. Common Core to even allow for uh, gaming and learning? Yes, <laughs> it makes it difficult. I mean, it's it's taken me it's taken me years, but it's taken me ways to uh, connect it, make connections to it. Um, it can be done, but it's it's not. <laughs> There's a movement. It's it's weird because you, as you were talking about Verena before, there's this big push to bring games in, right? And you have this big push of Common Core, and um, I guess it's you're having more and more teachers that are able to connect it and to fit in with Common Core. What's scary though is that these big companies like Pearson are creating games, or these companies are creating games that fit for Common Core. But they're not very good games. They're what uh, people well, call chocolate-covered broccoli. Yeah, but here's what I'd say, and I agree with Grant Wiggins. Um, standardized testing is no reason for bad teaching. And if you <laughs> teach well, you teach well. Yeah. They're going to pass the test. Now there are those kids, the kids. I mean, and these are the kids that need all this to go away. I mean, my own daughter had problems with with testing but but if you if you teach well and you follow the standards yes they'll they'll pass the test most likely as long as they're you know middle class and up I, I think the problem is also um, your administration you have to have administrators that that will let you step out of the box a little bit mm -hmm. and um, especially in an inner city uh, where where I work there's so much pressure on the teachers and now they're moving in with Common Core will dictate who stays and who goes, how much money you make. Um, so I think teachers are really feeling a tremendous amount of stress. Now the good thing about this could be that some of the teachers who might be older and, and more reluctant to use technology might, you know, might retire which makes way for a younger person but 
I'm even finding that the young teachers, they're not given any education um, in technology in schools, and they're afraid of it. It's, it's like if you're in the business world, you, you know technology because you have to use it. If you're in teaching, unless you have a personal intrinsic motivation to, to use technology, there's absolutely no professional development or training. Everything is focused on STEM. And like okay. you said, it's, it's not only a not only a motivation though. As soon as evaluation starts getting connected to yeah. to Common Core type things, then you're gonna then you have to have you also have to have somebody who who has no fear, because innovation is going to be destroyed by yeah. people having a fear of losing their jobs. Well, and that's one thing that you know I shared with Verena when I thought you know I wasn't gonna jump in here. <laughs> Uh, yet I did, but it was that, you know what, we can't wait for people to give us professional development. We can't wait for that. We can't wait for our, our teacher programs to try to catch up. We can't wait for that. We have to design it for ourselves. I mean, if people are coming into teacher ed programs, they should have had technology before. They probably have a passion for technology. And if you've got teachers who are not integrating it, so what? Do it yourself. That's what you have to do. We get. I, I, I mentor uh, pre-service teachers, and 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 we get interns and things like that. It's amazing how they do not know the technology, um, and it's 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 quite scary. Now, and I. Gail, don't take this the wrong way, but it's my my wife is almost the complete opposite. I'm technology savvy. My wife's not. I honestly believe that she could have a chalkboard, uh, overhead projector, and those kids would do just fine. She's a phenomenal teacher. It doesn't take the technology, but she has realized over time that using a smart board, using other technologies, reach other kids. And that's that's what you're talking about, Lee. When you're when you're mentioning about you know it's some kids will make it through. And Jerry, we had that great quote <clears throat> with Sylvia Martinez. Um, just because people survived the Titanic did not it doesn't make it a, a success. Yeah. Just because some people made it to New York doesn't mean yeah. it's a success. It, yeah, just because some people made it alive. So it's it, we're missing out on those kids, and that's where some kids fit just fine within the traditional model. Some kids need something a little different. Um, you know, you're you're. I think you said you're. Uh, brother or sister, younger brother or sister that had dyslexia, you know, you have to find different pathways to reach those kids. I've had autistic students in my classroom, and your uh, Carissa, well, sorry, your wife, Jerry, uh, teaches with autistic students all the time, and you have to find different pathways for them to succeed, and that's where I think, you know, having, it's not about the grades, it's how they improve, and if you can help them improve and gain, that's the important part. It's not, we don't want to have it standardized. Well, everybody needs to be at this level. Well, you know what? When you're starting out down here, getting up to here is going to be, can be very it, difficult. It's just not realistic. It's it doesn't not. make any sense. No. And we're leaving those kids behind so that no child left behind. But, you know, we're, the thing is, the what they're implementing is leaving children behind. I call it every child left behind. Yes. yes. 
I in some agree. way, shape, or form, yes. See, and Zach, when you yell at me for criticizing a name like Common Core <laughs> simply because of the name, look at the stupidity of the name Leave, Leave No Child Behind. That's why they even have to be named right. Otherwise, they're still worthless because oh, you can't even get past the name. Words are important. Well, words are important. But the yeah. problem with No Child Left Behind it was there was no money behind it. You can't implement... But now that we're racing, we have money. But it yeah. doesn't matter. I mean, it truly doesn't matter. I mean, no. I'm from Mississippi, and, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you pump in. There are kids who simply do not have the baseline no. to get to the point that you're saying. And, the you know, I, I enjoyed Ray Mabus. I mean, this is like 20 years ago, flash from the past. But the thing is, he, he said, K through 3, no grades. No grades. And then once they get to 3, then we let them start progressing. You have kids who just don't have the experience to begin to meet whatever the standard is. It, yeah. it can't be done. Right. Well, you guys have fascinated me because gaming today, not a hot topic. However, I've learned, as you pointed out, it's not about the games. It's about the learning. I think you emphasize that extremely uh, clearly tonight. <laughs> More than anything, you, you brought out some great points, and, and you ma made it so that any teacher could understand what you were talking about, whether they like technology, whether they like arts, whether they like whatever, uh, any parent could understand what we were talking about tonight, which is that every child needs to have an opportunity to learn, regardless of what that looks like. Um, am I, I don't know, yeah. is that what we were talking I, I, about? I do, do sure. want to make it clear, I just want to, so I don't get any emails like, you idiot, you like the Common Core, I don't want any emails like that, it's just, you know, I don't like the idea of standardization. We are not the same. Gilbert. Simmer down. Simmer down, Jerry. I'll give so you at least five of his email addresses. Yeah, I have <laughs> too many of them. I have pictures of you, Jerry. ZachGilbert.com. Ready to go out, on, uh, out in, into the World Wide Web's. Still mad they took down ZachGilbert.com. <laughs> Stop it. Well, we, I've made Canada seem pretty awesome, and we we do have our own issues. Well, Canada <laughs> is pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, but, job, yeah. And, and, and you have, sorry, and you have healthcare. American kids, but, you we know, have healthcare. I don't know what we're going to yeah. do. Yeah, and we are trying. So we invite you up here, and actually we encourage you to come to our conferences, because we'd love to have you up here <laughs> talking to us and hanging out with us. But um, I don't know. Does anyone else? Why don't we just finish off with some thoughts of what we learned today? Oh, no, no. Can we finish off with the Bill and Ted question, please? I just noticed that. I Bill really want question. the Bill and Ted question, if that's possible. What's the Bill and Ted question? It's number 25, which <laughs> I don't know how many questions we actually answered tonight. But uh, oh, we gave boy. up. It was my fault. Bill and Ted question. Where is it? 25. Uh, can you ask? Uh, I want, I want the, Bill and, the okay. Bill and Ted question, okay. if that's possible. You ask it, because I don't even know where it is. Everyone's taken over. <laughs> okay, well, Colin actually wrote it. So, Colin, can you ask it, or are you too busy? Well, oh, I've got a little crawly guy over here. But, <laughs> <laughs> the creeper. He looks a little tired. I just, I just, for some reason, when I was writing up these questions, I was just thinking, well, 
we've done a lot of, of these shows now. I think it's like 120, 127 or something like that. So, uh, 28 or something. Yeah, 28, 29, somewhere in there. So at some point, you've got to be exhausting the, the pool, right? So if you go back in time with the, the Bill and Ted action, who would you go grab from the past to make your, make your argument now? So George Carlin is taking you back in time. George <laughs> Carlin is George Carlin? Saying, who do you want to talk to? Who will you talk to? Oh. Wow. To, to, to prove that games and, and is the way to go? Sure. sure. Or just anything? Well, to demonstrate the power... I'd say just anything. Anything at all. Leonardo da, da Vinci, yeah. even though he's kind of weird. But, uh, yeah, he, he did some weird things. But he – talk about created, creating and building. Uh, Tom, you know what? Thomas Jefferson is so flawed uh, in so many ways, but he was such a genius. Uh, he always – he was always building. He was always reading. He was always creating. Um, love that. So it's that Jerry? whole Renaissance man piece. Oh, man. Yeah. Jimi Hendrix. This is, this is a terrible question. I love it. <laughs> no, no, it's a good one. He's just kind of fantastic. Stumped. I'm looking through a list of the uh, 100 famous people. Some are not dead. So I wouldn't need to go back in time. Um, oh, hey, another one. Well, he just he passed away a few years ago. John Wooden. Love yeah, John Wooden. John Wooden was great. Um. There's so many. It's not Miley Cyrus. <laughs> but she's got a long life ahead of her. Maybe she'll do something great. Um, wow. I don't know. I mean, there's, you know, I'm trying to come up with something more interesting than, like, Einstein, even though Einstein would be so, you know, so amazing. I, there's a great story for the artist about Pablo Picasso that he used to um, carry a revolver, uh, an unloaded one, like it with him or with one bullet in it and what? when people would criticize his artwork he'd just pull it out and point the gun at him I think that would be a fun guy to hang around <laughs> with you know like Jerry you were great painting else. Pablo um, man I have no idea I have absolutely no idea it's a great question maybe we should go with Rosa Parks since there's so many interesting uh, civil rights issues going on right now maybe she could give us some uh, some leadership in that area Jackie Robinson. Yeah. Um, Have you wow. seen that movie, 42? I haven't seen that yet. I haven't yet. No. It is fantastic. It's just it's amazing. So, Any any others, Jerry? I'm looking, we're, we're doing these biographies, uh, a, a featured article and a biography, and I'm trying to pull up my biography links. I would, I would have to, I would have to take a whole elevator like they did, like, or a whole uh, phone booth like they did. I would need, I would need a whole phone booth for all the people I'm picking up. From so crates on up. So crates, yeah. So crates, <laughs> yes. That's a great question. That's have a really TARDIS. Great. I'm going I'm I'm to think about that. I'm going to continue to think about that. I, I need a TARDIS right now. <laughs> Gail, who would you bring back? I'm sorry. Say that again. Who would you bring back? Well, my mom. <laughs> Your mom. Uh, I just lost her a year ago. Wow. But um, now we I all liked, look like yeah, idiots. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like no. I liked. I really liked Da Vinci. I I think I like he, that answer. He yeah. was a man who was so intricate 
so such a deep thinker, and yet, you know, a Renaissance man. I mean, that's redundant. Da Vinci defines Renaissance, but you know what I'm saying? It's like he did everything: art, science, music, mm -hmm. he, he math. He did it all. He flew. You know what I mean? Like, I loved that answer. That was outstanding. Yeah. Huh. Awesome. Okay. We might have to end here because I have to put some children to bed. Arena, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's later for you guys. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. And I did this instead of my like, grad school homework. So. Oh. <laughs> oh. Well, if it was my stuff, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. well, thank well, you okay. all so much for inviting me. Yeah. You're more than welcome. Yeah. That's Thanks what for having us. For. Thanks for so, having us. Before we go, no, 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 Lee. Wait, wait, wait. We have to do this thing. And today we had a group of kids. And we didn't talk about that, actually. What game? I have, oh, I always forget the game, Colin. What is it? Is it a new game? I should have asked you to. Grotopia. Grotopia. Do you know about yeah, Grotopia? Yeah, I've, I've heard of that oh, one. listen to these two. Oh, but we have no show on it because these guys could come on your show. They did their own show today on Grotopia. <laughs> <laughs> was awesome. Cool. Anyway, at the end, you bring your hand up. I say uh -oh. one, two, three. We did this. You guys did this. I saw it on the video. And then what? you go. Am I doing this? Yeah. What are we and doing? And then you go, game on. Okay? Are we ready? What and we just bring our hand back <laughs> together. We're cheering like we're in a hey. group. Oh, like we're Virtually. all in the Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Hey. Yeah, all right. Ready? ready? One, one, two, three. <laughs> Game on! Yeah. Oh, Garth got in on that one. Uh, yeah. Way to be delayed. Yeah, well. We were delayed too, so I don't know what you're talking about. It happens. Have a great night, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks. We are over and out. Thanks. Thanks.